This morning, I um, want to pick up on a series, and I feel like this series has been one that I preach it, and then there's a week, and then I preach it, and there's a week, and it's kind of been spread out. Um, it's a series that I believe in. It's funny, my, my friends in ministry keep telling me I need to write a book on this. I talk about it so much. It's not just something I talk about here. It's something that I, I truly believe in. And the idea that we've been looking at over the last several weeks and when I've been preaching or sharing has been this idea of, of a ministry model that I don't know that we always engage effectively. If I want to learn about how to do ministry, I probably should look at the one who did it the best, right? That was Jesus Christ. And when I look at the life of Jesus Christ, I see there's a place, it's not the only place, but a place in which he ministers consistently. And that place is the table. So if I know that Jesus used the table, the, the response to me should be, I need to figure out how I can use the table. So we're, we've been looking at the table um, and how, how do we use this for effective ministry? If we're going to say, you know, Jesus liked to eat food, he liked to break bread, whatever else, why? Why does that work? And a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, we looked at the reality that the table forces us to be still. That's not a, a discipline we're really good at in today's world. It's not something that we do well as just stopping. We looked at the Psalms and that word Selah, that pause and reflect, that stop and think. The, the structure of the table, just what a table is, it forces us to just stop. And it forces us to engage. And, and, and today I want to pick up on another idea that I think comes from the table. This is an idea that I'm going to share a story a little bit later in my sermon that I think just shows this. But the table is a place of intentional community. I don't know why this thing isn't working. Well, I guess we'll do it without it. Um, let me see if you make that work. I wasn't worried about that one. I was worried about that one. I use two devices. I, I'm, I'm multitasking up here, just for the record. I have one that I read from and one that's behind me, and it's not synced together. Anyway, um, i got to tell you a story about that. Yesterday I was doing the, the funeral um, for, for Peggy and Twyla's mom, and I've done lots of funerals, uh, but I've never had this happen. So technology is wonderful when it works. Well, it was just warm enough yesterday that, that your iPad has a function on it that when it gets too hot, guess what it does? It shuts down. And so I was out at the cemetery doing the, the funeral, and I got done preaching and Tam singing, and just because she sings so well and there's so much anointing, my, my iPad overheated. And you know, there's a lot of things in ministry you do a lot, but one thing I haven't really memorized is a committal statement. And so I just had to kind of wing the committal statement because my technology failed me, but, but I think we got them committed, and I think everything's okay. Um, but besides that, that was just a, a, a commercial because of what's going on. Anyway, the why. I, I believe that... Um, the table is a place of intentional community. I mean, it's hard to be at a table with someone and not share about life. I mean, now with technology, obviously, I've shared stories. We can do that. But, but really, the design of the table, it brings us together. We're sitting across the table from one another, and we have something in common. There's a story about this in the early church. We're going to look in Acts chapter 2 today. Um, Acts chapter 2, if you'll recall, written by, by Luke, it's an extension of his gospel. His gospel, the book of Luke, concludes with uh, the death and resurrection of Christ. We pick up in Acts 1, Jesus has been appearing to, to the people, and he tells them he's going to the Father, but they're going to be endued with power when the Spirit comes on them. 
Acts chapter 2 comes. Jesus is ascended in chapter 1, chapter 2. They're waiting and the Holy Spirit comes on them. Uh, remember what happens. The crowds, as they hear what's happened, tongues of fire, uh, they're speaking in other tongues. They say they must be drunk or they must be crazy. Um, and Peter stands up and preaches a sermon, right? And when he preaches that sermon, it says that thousands were saved after Peter preached this sermon empowered by the Spirit of God. But the end of this chapter, the verses that are behind me, are what I really want to come in on because Luke is establishing this moment was, was the catalyst for the early church. This moment was the moment that the early church really got traction. A lot of people call this the birth of the church. And so Luke chooses to describe the early church. And I love the words he uses to describe the early church. He says in, in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I love these verses specifically because of the highlight of that last verse. You know, as a pastor, I get to work with other pastors. I get to talk to people. We've got books. We have seminars. We tell pastors all the time how to come up with vision. What kind of vision is this? When it comes to like the vision for the church, you know, we can talk about all the cool things. We can talk about reaching. We can talk about walking. We can talk about all these things that we want to see accomplished as a church. But what if we really just focused on this and the Lord added their number daily, those who are being saved? I mean, to me, that's a powerful thought. If we just think about what that looks like. I, I tell you what, that makes me excited. That is a profound vision for a work of God. That daily, not just on Sundays, now that, that changes things, and we could talk about that, I'm not going too deep into that. But that daily, those being added to the kingdom of God, those coming to a knowledge of who Jesus Christ was, the fact that they had sin in their life, that sin was leading them to a place called hell, that was eternal separation from God, but God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die so that they could have a promise of eternal life with Him, that they could become a joint heir with Jesus Christ. What if that happened daily? Now that should make us excited. That's not really what I, preach, what I want to preach about, but that's the product that, that Luke identified in that early church, right? I mean, when he wrote about them, he wrote all these words, but his conclusion, the product of all these verses, we're going to look at those verses in a second, the product of those verses before that, those are the things that, Paul, that, that Luke thought were important when he wrote this letter, resulted in daily people coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So what did they do? They were devoted. It's probably not a word that we're, we're, we're comfortable with. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And, and I really want to hone in on because uh, this section actually in my Bible is called the fellowship of the believers. When we look at the product, when we look at the result that the Lord added to their number daily, there's a common theme in these words. Yes, we've got the apostles' teaching, and yes, we've got signs and wonders that were being performed. But look at these words. Look at how many times we're coming back to intentional community. 
They were devoted to fellowship. What does it look like to be devoted to fellowship? I mean, that's not something I know that we wrestle with. They were devoted to breaking bread. Now, that's something I think a lot of us get. We're devoted to eating. You know what I mean? Like, we can do that. That's a good one. I know. Thank you for the laughter. I needed someone. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They enjoyed the favor. That's the goodness or kindness of all the people. Do you see that? I mean, Luke could have written a lot of things. He didn't write about Peter's sermon right here. He did talk about the apostles' teaching. That was just a small part of this. But the, the, the majority of what Luke chose to write about was the fellowship of the early church. It was the community of the early church. The word here is koinonia, is the word for fellowship. It was the partnership they had. There was something about the way in which they lived that caused others to be added daily to the kingdom of God. They were devoted to showing their love toward one another. How devoted were they? My own mind getting together and eating. Well, this goes to a whole new level. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Why? Because their goal was that they were going to be devoted. I mean, we're devoted to a lot of things. We're devoted to, to football teams. We're devoted to, to our jobs. We're devoted to, to people. But being devoted in fellowship. They said, our devotion, we're going to strive. We're going to do what it takes that our love is so great. The love, not just for the Father, but the love that we share for one another. You know what the scripture tells us about that kind of love? That kind of love is peculiar love. Jesus even talked about that kind of love uh, right before he was getting ready to go up. He said, a new command, I give you love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know what? Well, know you're my disciples if you love one another. What I see from the words of Jesus in the words of Luke is that there's something in our love for one another that's peculiar enough that people will hunger and thirst for righteousness. What if we loved each other so well that others saw that, recognized that, and desired to learn more about it? I believe that the peculiarness, the, the curiosity of a Christian's love for another Christian... should cause a hunger and thirst in those who don't know that love. Do you see that? Is this just me? I mean, I don't think I'm too far off of what the Word says. I think I'm, I'm coming in on that. And the tool that I believe that we see a few times in those verses in Luke, but the tool that we've been talking about is that the plate, the table... They broke bread in their homes. They were devoted to breaking bread. Daily they came together and they ate meals together. It was a tool that God designed for us to be a place of intentional community. Our table should be a place where the love of God is revealed. Can you imagine someone coming to your house? So uh, when we have visitors that come from uh, Kentucky or somewhere else to come, come see us, we always cook them steaks. Can you imagine if I had family coming from Kentucky to my house? And I said, I'm going to make steaks for me and hot dogs for you. Now, my kids would be happy, but it just wouldn't be a, a good demonstration of love. 
Like, I want to give them the very best that I can. I do my best to cook it, and they tell me to put it back on the grill, and I say, no. Remember, some things change over time. I don't like my steaks rare. Well, I'm getting closer now. I say, I'll put it back on once the next time you get the microwave. I mean, that's love, but still. But the table, it's a place of commonality. It's a place of, of community. It's a place of sharing. The design of the table is that we're coming together and we're sharing an experience together. And when we share an experience together and we're intentional about it, some pretty incredible things happen in our family. This isn't a spiritual example. This is just a life example of what happens when we're intentional about the table. We've told our kids in the summer, because we get busy and we just do life, they go to the pool every day to come up with a bucket list of things they want to accomplish in the summer. So their bucket list can be anything. It can be going to Kentucky to see their cousins. It can be doing a front flip off of the high dive. I mean, whatever they choose. And so Graham came up with his bucket list. And his bucket list item, on his bucket list, you know what he said he wanted to do? He wanted to go to the China house. He wanted to go to the China house. So there's something about being intentional when it comes to the table. So Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday, the kids were at the pool and they came home. And sometimes that can be challenging because they get home around five. And if we're not prepared enough, then supper becomes crazy. Anyway, and so we could have thrown together a supper where we said, hey, Graham wants to go to China house. So I said, hey, Graham, you want to go to China house? Well, yeah. I asked Levi, you want to go to China house or have pizza? He said, I want pizza. I asked Elliot, you want to go to China house or have pizza? He said, I want pizza. So we all went to the China house. No, I'm just kidding. No. So me and Graham go to the China house. Pam takes the other boys that get pizza. They go to the park and we're going to go to the China house. We're driving over to Shattern and Graham is jacked up. I mean, he is excited. He's asking questions. Dad, will they speak Chinese in there? Will there be Chinese letters? Actually, I'm sorry. Dad, will they speak Spanish in there is what he asked me. Because any language that's not English is Spanish. You know what I'm saying? Like... So we go into the China house. I mean, you know, they're uptown decor in there. Like, you know, there is a general picture of a waterfall behind me. We're sitting at the table. Dad, did you see that picture over there? That's awesome. There's some fake plants in the window. Dad, did you see those plants? Yes, son, I did. That's awesome. Looks over and sees the buffet. And, you know, it's a China house buffet, so you'd expect there to be dragons or something on it. You know, there's like eggplants and fruit. Dad, did you see the buffet? Look at the pictures on it. I mean, kid was excited about going to the China house. We go through, we get our plates, go through the line, I get some egg drop soup, and we're just going through. He grabs some egg rolls and some sesame chicken and, and whatever else. Oh, yeah, I guess I can pull this up now. He gets his plate, and I mean, he is excited. We got our plates and, and we're sitting down at the table and we're going back and forth and we're just trying everything. And I'm telling you what, you'd have thought like Chef Boyardee or someone made this stuff. Everything he tasted was incredible. Took a bite of that egg roll. Oh man, this is delicious, Dan. Took some chicken and ate some chicken. I gave him some, some chicken off my plate. We had some beef. I had egg drop soup. You want to try this? Yeah, I'll try this. There's a piece of tofu in there. I thought this will get him. Man, Dan, that tastes like cheese and butter. 
Like absolutely nothing could phase the kid. At one point, my water was empty and the guy comes over and he asked me for a, a refill on my water. And I say, yeah, I'd like that. And Graham goes, Dan, how did you understand him? <laughs> he spoke in English, son. <laughs> Those are all fun parts. The fellowship of the meal, we're sitting there eating our food, and at one point, Graham stuck his fork in a piece of chicken, and I had a piece of sesame chicken or something on my fork, and he held his fork up to me. And he wanted to toast me with chicken. <laughs> so we touched chicken and ate. We didn't, like, lock arms. Like, if we just did on a date, that would have been a good moment, like, to lock arms. I think two more times in the meal. Then we got our ice cream. Graham's holding up a spoonful of ice cream. It's dripping off. Touch this. You see, there's something powerful that happens at the table. I've eaten at the China house a lot of times. But there was something powerful. Graham's always going to remember going to the China house with Dad. There'll be fruit that endures because we made the time to go to the China house. I got him some chopsticks, so he had some, some Chinese writing. And Man, he's got them chopsticks. He wrote his name on them. They're still at the house. He never used them, but he still got them. You know, I think that's, that's what happens when we're intentional about our table. That's the product of, of being intentional about the tools that God's given you. Yeah, I, I was just doing that as, as a dad moment with a son. But what about when we have that moment with, a, with, a, with someone else who needs to know the love of God? What about when we're intentional enough to know that that's the desire of their heart and we just say, hey, come, come to my table. And we have those moments that we didn't plan. We have those moments that we weren't dreaming of where there's just God moments where he allows his heart, his presence, his love to be made known in that moment. What if we did that Daily. Oh, Pastor, I'd run out of energy then. Daily, the body of Christ was meeting in their homes and breaking bread. And you know what? I have to conclude. It wasn't just the body of Christ meeting in their homes and breaking bread, but they were inviting others to their table as well. They were inviting others who who came, and when they saw the way they interacted with each other, I believe, church, that fellowship is an imperative tool for evangelism. I believe the way that we love one another is a revelation to the world of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because, see, we live in a world where division is normal. Right? Get on Facebook and put something not even controversial. Say the sky's blue and watch the argument that comes. Turn on the news. Turn into Washington, D.C. Division in our world is normal. But the problem is, a lot of times, we don't have to turn on the TV. We don't have to look at Washington, D.C., but we can go to church. Oh, wait a minute. Because it's not love that defines us. It's ourselves that define, ourse- that define us. And we don't get along with one another. The fellowship of the early church was what caused them to grow. Why is the table so important? Because I believe it's an intentional place 
of community. The body of Christ is one in which one of my closest friends in ministry, you know how we became friends? He's a Steelers fan and I'm a Bengals fan. Mm. You know, that was when Von says perfect. I don't know if you guys knew him. He was a crazy linebacker for the Bengals that liked to hurt people. And, and Heinz Ward was the receiver for the, uh, or, and Antonio Brown. Anyway, they were going at it, and, and Leroy and I became close friends. It wasn't the division that defined us. It was, it was something beyond that. But the world creates all these areas for us to be so divided. Can you imagine if you had a section at your table for, for believers and unbelievers, for, 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 for people who look like you and people who didn't? I mean, it just doesn't work at the table. The table isn't like that. You come there, you get the first seat, right? And you sit down. That's God's design. That's what He desires for us to have in our churches. That's what He desires for us to be experiencing in our life. Intentional, not just community, but intentional community. Because see, we can do life together. Right? I mean, we can do life around each other all the time. But there's something about when we want to do life together. When we want to hear about what each other are going through. When we want to help where we can help. When we want to show love where we can show love. When we want to listen when we can listen. When we have time to be together. When we have time to come do something together. That's intentional community. Where we say, I'm going to be devoted to fellowship. You know, devotion takes work. Devotion takes discipline, I guarantee you. Anything you're devoted to, whether you realize it or not, it takes effort and intentionality. And what if we said, I see the fruit of fellowship. I see what God can do when the body of Christ genuinely loves one another. I see the power of going to China House with my son, and I want to make that more normal. So I'm going to make a way for that to happen. We'll talk about preparations, because you can't have a table without preparation. But what if we were intentional about community? See, this is a big warning because we can hear this message today. In the early church, they heard that message. Luke said that's what defined them. But if we move forward 20 years, Paul's writing a letter to a church in Corinth. Just about 20 years after, after this moment that Luke was writing about, Paul's writing a, a letter to the church in Corinth, and it doesn't look anything like Paul's letter. And you're in the following directives, I have no praise for you. For your meetings do more harm than good. Why? See, that's the product, right? Isn't this the product that, that, that Paul is seeing? The product that Luke saw was that to their number, they were those who were being saved daily. Paul is saying, I'm seeing a product uh, that isn't good. Your meetings, when you come together, it does more harm than good. In the first place, I hear when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. Now, that's a harsh line. Like, I know you guys well enough. You don't like each other. It doesn't surprise me. No doubt, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat, for when you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat in or drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not. In this matter. You see, the church in Corinth lost the intentionality 
of the table. So rather than being used for the king, it was being used for themselves. Rather than it being used for the glory of God, it was being used to meet their needs, their wants, their desires. They didn't want to sit next to the pastor. He talked too much. He paced back and forth too much. And so they, they just they had a meal and they wouldn't invite him and, and they were taking everything and they were losing because it was all about their self. Our name of our church is what? Christ what? I mean, if that's in our name, shouldn't we live that? If that's in, in who, uh, I guess it was Pastor Eldon at the time, I'm not sure who picked that name, whoever, whoever chose that name for the church, should that be part of our identity? And it's not just a community church in the sense of it's, it's everyone around, it's community church because it's what happens between us, the body of Christ. That by our love for one another, the world will know that daily people will be added to the kingdom of God. Daily, not just at a church, at the front of a church, but at your, your table. In your living room, at your campfire pit, whatever it might be, that those might come into the kingdom of God because they see something in you because you're devoted to community. You guys can come forward. I I heard go pastor, don't worry about that. Yeah, this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the worship team to pray, or to play. They can pray too if they want. Um, I'm going to ask everybody to pray. But really where I want to come back to this is the beginning of Acts, well, the Acts verses that I read, being devoted to something. And the question I have to ask is, if we're devoted to something, we've got to make some choices. And if we're going to make a choice to be devoted to fellowship, what can you do? I don't need to know what, what can all of us do. I don't need to know what, what, what can be done as a whole. I want you to ask the question like, what can I do? What part do I play in the revelation of God's love amongst this community, amongst the body of Christ, amongst those who believe in Christ? How can I be devoted to fellowship, be devoted to breaking bread, have a place at my table where I can be intentional about the love of God? What is it for me? How can God use my lives, my gifts, my talents, the, the way in which he's made me to bring about the love, to help demonstrate that love even greater? And being devoted, you ask the question, you hope to come up with an answer, and then what happens? I'm going to say, do it. Like it's, it's easy to ask the question, and sometimes it's easy to get an answer, but devotion comes when we do what God asks us to do. Devotion comes when we actually see to it to accomplish what God has asked us to do. So I'm going to ask you to, to ask God, how can I be more intentional about community when you hear what he's saying or when you come up with an answer? Make a plan to do it. That plan might be as simple as tapping someone on the shoulder and saying, hey, you want to go get lunch after church? I hear the China house is fantastic. (laughs) 
And as a pastor, I'm excited about what God does when we're intentional about loving one another. I look forward to what He accomplishes as we listen and obey. As we're devoted to doing what God has asked us to do. Father, this morning in this place, I thank you for the body of Christ. I thank you, Lord, that we have one another, that we're not in this alone. I thank you that because of the love of God that is inside of us, there's something common amongst us. It's that love that comes from the Father and flows through us to those who are around us. God, the early church figured out they could break bread together, that daily they could have meals together, that they could that they could sell what they had, that they could do what it took to meet needs. God, they heard your voice and they responded to it. To us, this day, in this room, I ask that you speak to us. Like, what can I do? How can I be more intentional? How can you use me, God, to show a love that is so compelling? To be a part of a system that is so incredible. Others will long to be a part, not because of just the words, the teaching, the miracles, but the product of our relationship with you, revealed to one another. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you speak to us. I pray the fulfillment of your vision in the early church in our church. God, I pray that daily there would be those who would fall in love with Jesus Christ. I pray that daily, God, there will be those that are transformed by the love of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. And the Lord added to their number daily those who they say. By our love, they'll know that we're His disciples. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you resolve your place of intentional community. Amen? Be blessed.